0: I'm your Village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Our questions today are about trying to break the co sleeping habit and about developing independent play skills in our young ones. I think a lot of parents are getting pretty worn out with the limited options and so much time at home, so we're really wanting to and wondering how to develop some more independent play during these times. First question. Hi, Erin. My my boyfriend is divorced and has a three-year-old daughter. She comes to stay with us every other weekend on Friday and Saturday. Since she was born, she has been sleeping in the same bed as her mom. At first, when she came to stay with us, we'd have her sleep with us too because she was about one and we figured her mom would switch her to her own bed soon. She has not. Fast forward two years later and my boyfriend and I are no longer able to sleep when she stays with us because she kicks and has to have her hands or legs or something touching us and this is a king size bed. We told her mom we would like to start putting her to sleep in her own bed. Her mom just laughed and said she wouldn't be doing that at her house. We tried it the last time she was with us, and she threw a tantrum like I have never seen. I'm not exaggerating. I have really never heard a child scream and yell the way she was. At bedtime, we asked her if she wanted to sleep in her own bed, and she said yes. We put her to bed and told her she was going to need to start sleeping in her own bed, and she needed to stay there for the night. The yelling, screaming, and crying started as soon as we put her in her bed. We tried to let her cry it out, but after about 10 minutes, there was no let up in her tantrum. Finally, my boyfriend said he would lay down with her, but was going to leave when she fell asleep and she needed to stay in her bed. First, she tried everything she could to stay up for about 15 minutes and we kept telling her she needed to lay down and go to sleep. After about 20 or 30 minutes of just laying there, she finally fell asleep and my boyfriend and I were able to go to our bedroom. She woke up again about five minutes after we had left and she began screaming again. My boyfriend went back in and lay down with her again, saying he would lay with her until she fell asleep and then he would leave. It took a little less time for her to fall asleep this time, but she finally did. This time, after falling asleep, she stayed asleep. She stayed in her bed the whole night, which is good. But I feel it's going to be this extreme every time we do this, since her mom doesn't want to work with us on this. I'm basically wondering if there is a way to get her to sleep in her own bed without such a tantrum every time and without taking her over an hour to just get her to sleep, or if anything we do is going to be undone between stays since her mom isn't trying to do what we're doing. I also just wanna say I'm not trying to shame her mom or say anything bad about her mom. It's just a difference of opinion and my boyfriend and I just wanna be able to get sleep so we can better be there for his daughter and not be feeling in a sleep deprived haze the whole time she's with us. I know it's a short amount of time she's with us, but those two nights without sleep is really affecting us. Thank you in advance, Samantha. Okay, so this is a great question because a lot of parents are or will deal with different rules or expectations in different homes. It's great when separated or divorced parents can be on the same page most of the time or all of the time when it comes to these bigger things like co-sleeping, but that just isn't a reality for a lot of separated or divorced couples. So first, let's talk about that. Dealing with the differences and how much it will affect your home if the other parent does things differently at their house. Now kids are smart and they can learn and follow different rules and expectations in two different settings. So just like in school, they might behave differently for different teachers based on the expectation or differently at home than at school. They will do the same in two different households. I know it's been a while since you emailed this to me, Samantha, so I hope you were able to stay the course with it and found that she has been able to do just fine because the first few days are the toughest and the fact that she stayed in bed after the second time and slept through the night is actually very positive. I would have expected her to end up in your room in the middle of the night at some point, so the fact that she didn't is a really positive sign that this process will go very quickly for you. But let me back up and I'm gonna answer some questions about the two homes for parents who are already or are in the process of separating or divorcing and then about the option for this process for any other parents dealing with co-sleeping or other bedtime issues you're trying to fix with any bad habits. Okay, so for two parent homes, as I mentioned, kids will get used to different rules and expectations in different homes and they'll act accordingly in each home. So this is very good news for parents who have an ex or soon to be ex with a more lax style or who tries to be the cool parent or even one who has an even much more strict style that their kids will gain the benefit of your parenting style and will also act accordingly when they're at your house. Kids do crave and need structure and rules, but they also need it to be done with kindness, yet firmness, with connection, and to be nurtured. It has the most positive effect on your relationship with them and their long-term happiness and success. So, So a child who's expected to sleep in their own bed at one house will sleep in their own bed at that house. And if they're not expected to sleep in their bed at the other house, They probably won't sleep in their own bed at the other house, but it's okay to set a boundary different or more strict or less strict at your house than at the other house. As far as setting these bedtime boundaries, there's several methods to do this and some that don't need to include major meltdowns. So I'm gonna get into those options, there's three of them, after a word from our sponsor. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Pure air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back after the break, Here are the options for bedtime methods. The first is the mantra method, which I've talked about in a lot of episodes. This is setting the boundary that you will sleep in your own room, and the bedtime means bedtime. As long as they stay in their own room, you need not do anything. But if they come out, you wanna walk them or carry them back to bed with as little interaction as possible. So this can include a mantra, such as it's bedtime, something very short, very simple, or saying nothing at all. This is why it's the mantra method. And again, you're going to walk them back, holding onto their shoulders, guiding them back to their room, or if needed, you can carry them with no eye contact or little to no eye contact as possible. You repeat this as many times as necessary until they stay in bed and fall asleep. In some cases, there will be little to no meltdowns. It'll only be a testing of the boundary by getting up again and again until they wear out and realize you mean business and they get so tired they fall asleep. In other cases, a toddler may stay in the bed but cry or have a tantrum or a meltdown, which is what happened with Samantha's example. So if this is too much for you to handle and you want a gentler method, the transition, or sometimes called the move-out method, is one where you stay in the child's room and remove yourself slowly over time with increased distance and earlier in the falling asleep process or cycle. So for instance, the first three to four nights, you might stay sitting on the bed rubbing their back and leaving when they're almost fully asleep, but not totally asleep. Because what usually happens is if you're there when they fall asleep, when they wake up, they expect you to be there, and then, you're, and then they get startled awake. So you wanna leave before they are fall fully asleep. You will explain this before you start the process. And actually, uh, Samantha's boyfriend handled this really well, told her he was gonna stay till she fell asleep and was gonna leave. The only thing was he left after she fell asleep. But it seems like it worked the second time, so that was good. Then you might do a chair by the bed until they get sleepy. Each three to four days you take a step backwards from either how long you stay, like how fully asleep they are, or how close they are to falling asleep, or how close you're sitting to them. And this takes, can take four to six weeks to do this whole process. If you wanna know more, the class Toddler Sleep covers an exact sleep step-by-step instructions for this process, along with step-by-step instructions for all three methods, the mantra method, and the third method, which is the check-in method. This is another method that can work with a lot of kids that keeps them quiet in their bed, helps them get sleepy on their own. A little, It takes a little bit longer than the mantra method, but it's a little bit shorter as far as length of time. It's in the middle between the mantra method and the transition method. It takes a little bit longer than the mantra method. The mantra method can take up to two weeks, but after three days, it can be significantly uh, changed and better, and then it becomes very minimal interaction at bedtime. The check-in method is around three to four weeks. The transition method takes around five to six weeks, sometimes four weeks if it goes really smoothly. Also in that class, troubleshooting for bedtimes and nap times, common bedtime and nap time issues, the basic information about toddler sleep that's helpful in setting up good sleep habits. So you can find that one on the website, including watching the free two to three minute sample video for that, at yourvillageonline.com under the toddler classes page. Okay, the next question is from Nina, who wants to know about how to help her four year old be more independent in play. She wrote, Hi, Aaron. In the past, I used to play with my son most days when he was two to three and a half years old. I used to sit and sportscast the play and play between five minutes to an hour daily, five days a week. The other two days, he's at childcare. The last six months, I can't be bothered anymore. I don't know why the sudden switch in me. I expect more independent play so I can have some more me time. So maybe this is it. I rotate passive toys and independent toys, but he isn't interested. He asks me every five minutes when we're at home, mommy, come play with me. Or he says, I'm bored. I get so frustrated when he says I'm bored and I really don't want to play with him. How can I get him to be more creative in his play when I'm not? What should I say when he complains he's bored? I'm not sure what is expected of me. Any tips on helping me want to play would be greatly appreciated. Once again, thank you for your time and advice you've given me in the past. Okay, so you know this is an issue for many parents of toddlers just under normal circumstances, that they just constantly want to be entertained. But I know a lot of us are struggling with this, especially right now. So with anything, there's a wide range with different kids with this, from more to less independent. But even so, I have yet to hear a parent say that their toddler is too independent, at least as far as entertaining themselves goes. So this is something we work with them on over time, helping them become more and more independent. And at four, a lot of times they're still just not going to be real independent in their play. If you can get 20 minutes out of them, that's actually doing pretty well for most kids. You'll get the rare child that will actually sit for half an hour, 45 minutes, even an hour, but that's really, really uncommon. So sometimes it has to do with finding the right activity or toy, so this may take some trial and error. So they may sit down and play for a couple minutes with their trains, but then they end up with some crayons and a pad of paper, you play them some music and ask them to draw, and they may be busy for 20 minutes or more. You just never know what a child is gonna take to. So you may just have to really do some trial and error, and at four, And beyond, you're gonna start to know what your child's interests and some of their strengths are. So if your child is very creative and artistic and likes to draw and scribble and do those types of things, you may find that playing with something artistic, more open-ended, might be really great for them. But if they are more into engineering, you may find some engineering type toys, building type toys that are a little, that are a little more novel for them that they haven't seen before. So you wanna go out there and just take a look for toys. Things like Magnetiles are great if you don't have those. Um, I love toys by Mindware. They have some great toys my kids used a lot when they were really little. Getting them some new toys that are independent play toys, you may find they sit down and really dig into those for longer periods of time. So you may do some trial and error with that. When it comes to ideas for lots of different ideas for toys, the class Educational Toys, I cover tons of ideas from creative, artistic endeavors for kids of all different ages that they can get involved in, to engineering toys, to reading toys for all different ages, for developing all different kinds of cognitive function, and even physical toys that that they can either do inside if you have an apartment or if you have a really small little backyard of some sort. They even more involve physical toys for parents who do have the space in the room for bicycles or basketball or that type of thing. Tons and tons of ideas for keeping kids engrossed and entertained in educational activities and toys in that class on the website at yourvillageonline.com. So what's also hard right now is that these are the ages, between three and five, of growing social skills. And so especially only children may really struggle right now with this. So here are some suggestions. Number one, play dates with one child at a time with families that you feel safe being around. So we have some kids in our circle who we know parents are working from home, and so they're staying safe enough that we feel comfortable having our kids have a play date with one kid once a week. So each of our kid gets one play date once a week. You can get your kids involved in contribution. This makes them feel connected, needed, so when you want some quiet time, they're much more likely to give it to you. So you you get them involved in sorting laundry, making meals, any daily tasks that they can quote unquote help with, even if it's not doing anything actually helpful. As long as they feel like that's what they're doing, that's what matters. So if you have a boiled carrot and they cut it up using a plastic knife to help with lunch and then you put that boiled carrot on their plate, they're gonna feel helpful, they're doing something while you're doing lunch and they're not bugging you about wanting to play with them if they're there helping you side by side. Washing dishes, they, they can stick it in the dishwasher, there's just tons of little things you can come up with to have them help you around the house or doing things on those times that will keep them busy and then when you need some downtime because they've gotten that interaction already and through other ways, they're gonna be more likely to give you that downtime. Number three, Try to create and work off of a schedule. So take your day and break it up. See where and when they can help and contribute throughout the day. So maybe you have it set up that like from 10 to noon, you're doing household chores and they're helping you out with it. Um, Have a time set aside where you play together. So this is gonna be part of the schedule. If you have it 30 minutes a day, you're gonna sit down and play with them. Have it part of the schedule. Have a free play time as part of the schedule. And then you do something where you don't have to be fully focused in case they come to you asking to be entertained. So if you're trying to do like household fixes and you're pulling apart the kitchen cabinets and you're trying to hold the cabinet up and screw it in, probably not the best thing to be doing while they're doing their free play if they're gonna come over and bug you about it. Unless, of course, they can help hold the screwdriver, then you could do something like that. Or help hold the screw while you're lining it up, something like that, and they're helping you out with it. But do something that's a little more benign, like washing some dishes or something, This way they can come and they're not going to interrupt you or where you're right in the middle of something you can't stop for a second. Then if you do some any screen time in your home and if you do I recommend some kind of educational show or game for the allotted period of time and I know that we're doing more screen time now than we do in our non-pandemic times so if you're going over some of the recommendations don't beat yourself up over it but These are the times you can take some downtime for yourself. So if you have a child on a game or on an educational TV show, you can get some downtime during that time. Most kids will sit and watch that TV show, watch some stuff, and be perfectly happy and won't be bugging their parents to entertain them. And I'm still working on that interview with the pediatrician who will be talking to us about school and safety and COVID for parents still trying to make some decisions if your school districts are opening, how to make some decisions and keep your kids safe if you are going to be going back to school this fall, either full or part-time. So I'm really excited. So stay tuned for that episode coming up. We're also diligently working on the discipline tools for teens class. I've recorded it. So now we're starting to edit it. We'll be putting it up in the next week or so. After that, I have a three-part co-parenting and divorce parenting series that will be coming out. I'm working on the scripts for those, so I know we have quite a few parents out there who are co-parents, parents parents going through the process, and step-parents too, so I'm excited to get those classes up soon. Also, you can see descriptions and sample videos for any of the over 50 classes already on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it.